This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com leaders. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. It is great to have you in on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Yes, we are doing a show Wednesday because, of course, tomorrow is Turkey Day, uh, more commonly known as Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Uh, Going to do some, again, give me a little bit of Thanksgiving theming today, although uh, we do have a lot of sports to talk about, of course. Nets falling to the Sixers, despite the Sixers, all their three best players did play. Embiid out, Harden out, Maxi out. And it was Ben Simmons' return to Philadelphia after all, the city of brotherly love, which didn't show him a whole lot of love. I actually thought, and I've been critical of Ben Simmons, I actually thought he handled it pretty well. Discuss that later on the show, as well as you guys may not want to hear it, especially my college football fans watching or listening. Alabama is going to participate in the college football playoff, whether we like it or not. I'll discuss that later on the show, sort of the scenario that needs to happen, and I think will happen, in order to allow Alabama to get in this year's college football playoff. I'll also discuss the 49ers and why, to me, folks, they have separated themselves from the rest of the NFC. Clearly and obviously, of course, you guys know my concerns about Jimmy G, but right now, that's the favorite to come out of uh, the NFC right now, the San Francisco 49ers after they dominated the Cardinals. I'll talk about that. And, of course, three games. Usually, today's show will be on a Thursday, tomorrow, uh, but of course, it's not Thanksgiving, or, it's, you know, we're not doing the show on Thanksgiving, we're doing it, t- it today, but we got three games to predict, instead of the usual one for a Thursday night football, okay? We got, a, obviously, a Detroit Lions game, we got a Dallas Cowboys game, and we got the nightcap. Three very, very fascinating matchups, all with pretty interesting playoff implications, all of them mathematically still alive. Uh, some of them very alive. Some of them, you know, Detroit, hey, Detroit wins their five and six, and they at least have a prayer's chance of making it in the NFC wild card. A lot of games to predict. Thanksgiving, great to have you in. Before I talk any sports and before I get to the Zach Wilson story, I would like to mention the things that I am thankful for uh, on this show. First of all, uh, most importantly, I'm thankful for my family uh, that always being there for me. Uh, you know, my my always have a great support system uh, around me is, is, is very, very important. Um, I'm thankful for you, the listener and the viewer for taking the time out of your day three times a week, or even if it's once a week, e- even if you're you just, you watch one video, one video during the month of carving it up, th- that goes a lo- much more, much further than, than, than you realize. Uh, we thank you for your support. I'm thankful for the people I'm wearing their hat today. 
our hat, I should say, the Grid Network. A uh, shout out to Barry Grant Jr., Mike Guido, the founders of the Grid Network, for allowing me to be a part of this podcasting project. I've enjoyed it. Uh, also, shout out to the other creators, the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. They're going to have a blast tomorrow in Dallas. They're going to be at the Cowboys game just like they were at the Vikings game. Go check out their vlog from Sunday. Uh, Patrick Brown, who I'm hoping to have on the show Friday, hopefully. Uh, he's he's on the Chaotic Sports Podcast. Great guy, great friend. Check out his show. Ryan Flowers, uh, a, a guy I consider like an older brother. Um, you know, Clutch Sports Talk. Please go check his stuff out on the grid. It's amazing. Alfred Parso Jr., me and him were just talking today about the Zach Wilson story, which I'm about, about to get into. Rocket Fuel Podcast, uh, and obviously Barry's podcast, the All Even Podcast. So, listen, we got a lot of great content in the grid. I'm thankful for the grid. Also, in the world of sports, I'm thankful for the transition hats here for uh, my Boston Red Sox. We obviously had a very disappointing season this year, but this hat represents the nine World Series championships we have in Belief remains eternal that we will bring many, many more. The Yankees own the 20th century, but as I always say, the Red Sox are in the process of owning the 21st century. I'm also very thankful for a team that made me very happy this June. That would be my Golden State Warriors uh, winning the 2022 NBA championship. Obviously, we're getting off to a little bit of a slow start. Big game tonight against the Clippers. But hey, listen, we're going to get this ship righted. As long as I got the best player in the world, Wardell Stephen Curry II, as long as I got Steve Kerr and the nucleus surrounding Golden State, we got this. Don't worry about it. We'll be back in the finals in no time. All right, so I'm thankful for the Warriors. And uh, last but uh, certainly not least, the hat I'm going to wear for the remainder of today's show, I am thankful for Dak Prescott. My man. Been supporting this guy since before he was a Cowboy, since he was a Mississippi State. And I'm a Tennessee fan. Thankful for my balls as well for bringing a lot of joy this season. Uh, after even, even despite the pain that they brought me in all of all nation on Saturday afternoon against South Carolina. But I'm thankful for all these things and many, many more. And so just wanted to, to spread a, a positive message out there. You know, it's, it's Thanksgiving. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now. You know, all, all kinds of crazy things. But just enjoy your loved ones. Spend time with them. Tell them you love them. And, and just enjoy this time. I mean, Thanksgiving is honestly my favorite holiday just because it's not that I don't like Christmas. I love Christmas, but Christmas brings a lot of, you know, stresses about the, the presents and, and, and all the plans for, okay, whose Christmas is you're attending all this Thanksgiving. It is, it's, it's the three things, the three F's, the three best F's in life, family, food, and football. And we will be talking a lot of football today and joining a lot of football uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Barry Grant Jr., All Even Podcast, shout out. He says, LOL, you are a character. That I am, sir. That I am. Hey, we uh, Barry, you, you would know this. We kind of all are at the grid in our own different ways. But we got a lot to discuss. So let's start with the Zach Wilson story because, my goodness, did this thing turn fast in the last three weeks. So three weeks ago, Robert Sala was talking about anybody who criticizes Zach Wilson is an idiot. To three weeks later, Zach Wilson is not even going to dress. Not even going to dress for the third. I'm sorry, the Sunday afternoon game against the Chicago Bears. He's inactive. Not even going to be the backup quarterback. So he hadn't just been benched. He's like, dude, sit down. It's it's almost like a timeout that Robert Saul, the head coach of the Jets, is giving Zach Wilson. Um, let this be a cautionary tale for any of the young quarterbacks entering next year's draft or future drafts. And for the most part, from what I know. Next year's drafts in terms of the top quarterbacks, all pretty mature kids. Stroud, Young, Hooker, Levis, pretty mature kids. Like from what I know, certainly about Hooker and, and Young, I know the most about, but pretty mature kids. But just for future drafts, 
Talent is not what wins in this league. It's not all that wins in this league, I should say. It's those little things that you can't teach. It's scoring three points, averaging, as I said on the show Monday, 2.7 yards per play against the New England Patriots. It is after a, a second half in which you amass negative 21 passing yards. All these different things. And not taking accountability. Folks, I'm telling you, that moment, not just how he played it, the, the locker room is already kind of iffy on Zach Wilson. But at the end of the day, guys, we're 10 games of a season, and Zach Wilson's 5-2. and two. He's, he's been pretty good. As a matter of fact, of the 2021 first-round quarterbacks, Zach Wilson has the best record. But it's after the game. It's those things in the locker room that eventually seep out to the media and seep out to the fans, seep out to the public. They're like, oh, that's why he won't be an all-time great. That is what is separating him along with, of course, his horrible decision-making on the field, as well as his decision-making off the field from possibly being a franchise quarterback. I've often made the joke about the New York Jets that they are the the one place, the New York Jets is the place where young quarterbacks' dreams go to die. But Zach Wilson is one of the rare instances in Jets history where it's young, talented quarterback, and his failures are his fault. Not to say it wasn't the fault of Geno Smith or Mark Sanchez or even to a certain degree, Chad Pennington or Sam Darnold in the past. Not that they haven't deserved blame because they have. But look at the structure around them, guys. M most years, it was terrible. Most years. For Zach Wilson, folks, this defense is fantastic. They've got not just the defense rookie of the year, probably a first-team All-Pro as the number one corner in Sauce Gardner, who's been a home run pick by the Jets out of Cincinnati. You think about Quinnen Williams, who's right in his way to being a pro bowler. All these playmakers the Jets have defensively. Offensively, got some nice, nice pieces. Okay, we, we can make fun of uh, Denzel Mims all we want, you know, about the trade requests and everything and all the all the stuff. He, he was, he was uh, causing trouble with the Jets. He's getting open. All right, those other receivers they have, they're getting open. Jets offensive line's playing well. Jets coaching staff is doing a great job given what they have around them. Did anybody have the Jets at 6-4, 10 games of the season? No, but even the most optimistic Jets fan, if you'd have told them this, they'd have been doing cartwheels if you'd have told them they'd be 6-4, 10 games in. So the coaching staff is even ahead of schedule. And you lose a heartbreaker to the New, uh, New England Patriots after one of the worst offensive performances of this, this year's NFL season. But after the game, you say, it is not your fault. The reporter asked Zach, what, Zach Wilson, for those of you that haven't heard the bite, he said, uh, you know, who's, do, do you do you feel like, uh, do you take any accountability or any blame for the team's offensive performance and you losing the game? Zach Wilson's response, no, no. That's what made Robert Saul's decision, and that, my friends, is what lost the locker room. It is what separates the Zach Wilsons, the Baker Mayfields, the Johnny Manziels. All of these guys, it's what separates them from the Patrick Mahomes and the Joe Burrow and the Josh Allens of the world.
That, my friends, is what separates them. Josh Allen, a few weeks ago, actually lost to New York Jets, got outplayed by Zach Wilson. Did not play well whatsoever. And used choice language after the game when describing his play. In, in other words, Josh Allen went after the game, told the media, I play bad. As a matter of fact, he said it's hard to have success offense, offensively when the quarterback is playing like you-know-what. Didn't need help for the media to push him that conclusion. He knows. He played bad. Patrick Mahomes has taken accountability in the past, as has Joe Burrow, as has really any great player in any league. When you play bad, you know it, and you admit it, and the team understands it, and you move on. But when you're a Jets player and you're in that locker room, you're like, okay, here's this young whippersnapper, if you will. Kid looks 12 years old. So you're already like, okay, is this this this, this dude, you know, just outward appearance, is he ready for the NFL? You know, had a pretty cush upbringing, if you will. Probably wasn't told a whole lot that he wasn't, you know, he needed to improve or things of that nature. Told how great he was his whole life. And the second he faces just a little bit of adversity, this is what happens. For the record, Mike White is going to be the Jets quarterback on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. Mike White is not even close to as talented as Zach Wilson. Not, I'm not even close. As I always say about Zach Wilson, yes, he makes the easy throws look hard, but he makes the hard throws look easy. He, I mean, he, he occasionally, once every two, three games, makes a throw. You're like, wow, that was a nice throw. Put some zip on that ball. Put some arc on the ball. Mike White really can't do that. But it's the same, excuse me, it's the same thing that separates Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. Carson Wentz is infinitely more talented than Taylor Heineke. But it's the leadership that does it. I've always said about quarterbacks, and I kind of alluded to this. I was talking about Russell Wilson last week. And I said, if you are an uber-talented quarterback, but a crappy leader, you can still win games. If you are a, uh, a great leader, but a... Eh, Moderately talented quarterback, you you can win games of a sleep. But if you are, you know, below average talent and a crappy leader, uh, you're not going anywhere. Zach Wilson is, is, in terms of talent, I'd put him about midway point in the league. Like about 16, 17th most talented quarterback in the league. In terms of pure talent, he's not bad. But it's those little things that separate him from the guys who truly are franchise quarterbacks. And it is why Jets use Cleveland and use Chicago as your warning sign. Chicago drafted Mitch Trubisky in 2017, second overall in the draft out of North Carolina. And they waited too darn long to move on from him and regretted it. Same thing in Cleveland. Browns took Baker Mayfield number one overall out of Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy winner. About two years in, you're like, eh, it, does, it doesn't work. But they waited, and they waited, and now they're kind of trapped, given that they waited too late to trade Baker Mayfield. There are teams that can give you a decent compensation for Zach Wilson in the future. Take it. Get draft picks in. Who knows, maybe you're able to get a high enough pick to where you can take a, the future at quarterback. What you could do if you're the Jets is Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a free agent. Go get Jimmy Garoppolo. Have him as like your Alex Smith-style placeholder for about two years. In that two-year span, draft your quarterback. Let him develop. Then he's your guy. 
commit to Robert Sala. Definitely commit to Joe Douglas because he has done a phenomenal job as the GM of this team and go forward with that. Zach, they cannot become a championship contender with Zach Wilson at the helm. They can't. We've seen two years in the limitations in terms of just, just take it what the defense gives you. It's those little things on the field and off the field that Zach Wilson simply does not get. And when we see quarterbacks two years in that can't do the easy stuff right, do they usually correct it later on? Rarely. We've seen it after one year, Josh Allen, but rarely after two years. Jets, smart decision. Props to Robert Sala. I don't think he had any other choice. He had to make this move. Couple of comments. Is it John Rivera, who is a Jets fan himself? Uh, he's got basically, if you, it's kind of like the the shaking my head uh, style emoji with the palm on the face. Um, <laughs> and Barry Grant Jr. says, "I'm laughing at everybody who thought this kid was any good. Fools." And it's, I listen. I was never. You, you, listen, if you don't believe me, check the tape. I was never a Zach Wilson fan. I said Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Lord, have they proven to be the case? would be the two busts out of the first round. Mac, Mac Jones has been bad out of Alabama, and Zach Wilson has been bad out of BYU. The guys I like, the two guys I like the most, Lawrence and Fields. I, I'm sorry, no, 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 let's let me revisionist history. I love Trey Lance. I love Trey Lance, love Trevor Lawrence, and I really liked Justin Fields. I don't know what Trey Lance is because he's barely played, and that's probably what scares me about him. Trevor Lawrence, clean up the turnovers. Clean up the turnovers. You're seeing that progression for Trevor. You see the leadership that he brings to the Jags. Same thing in Chicago with Justin Fields. I don't see it with the Jets and Zach Wilson. I don't. So you got to move on. But props to Robert Sala for making this move. When, you know, we've seen a lot of coaches in the past stick with their guys, stick with the guy that got you there. Well, what if he's not playing well? What if he's put two or three games in a row together and been pretty bad. The only game Zach Wilson have really has really played well this year, his first game after coming off of an injury, played pretty well against the Pittsburgh Steelers, albeit without T.J. Watt. And then a few weeks ago against the Buffalo Bills, he was really good in the fourth quarter. Outside of that, what's he done? Essentially, what I described to you is two pretty good games, a bunch of bad ones. What's that? That's a backup quarterback. We would expect that from like a Taylor Heineke or a Cooper Rush not from a guy who was selected number two overall in the draft. Today, Zach Wilson's a backup. And I have a hard time believing that he will be in New York Jet next year unless something drastic happens. Uh, do I think Mike White's going to be the guy the rest of the year? Eh, not sure. I'm not, I'm not a huge Mike White fan. I, I, I would have preferred they went with Joe Flacco. But Mike White has put together some pretty good games last year. Just look at last year against Cincinnati. What did he throw for 400 yards? Three, four touchdowns. He was amazing against a team that ended up getting to the Super Bowl. And now you're facing a Chicago Bears defense that has been just horrible in the last month. So this is a good sort of a possible springboard for uh, for Mike White. But this is a smart move by by the New York Jets. Um, uh, we we did get this report in. Let me see this pull up. This is from ESPN. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, Rich Samini, 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 I think Samini is how you say his name, uh, who's uh, a reporter for the New York Jets for ESPN. This says, uh, quote, on the day he lost his starting job in dramatic quarterback shakeup, Zach Wilson tried to win back his New York Jets teammates with an apology. 
Under heavy criticism from fans and media, Wilson spoke to the entire team on Wednesday, admitting he botched Sunday's new uh, post-game news conference, the one in which he refused to take accountability for his poor performance in a loss to the New England Patriots. He said, quote, I had a sick feeling in my stomach. Look, I mean, and Zach, by the way, went on to say, quote, um, it was the only thing I could think of the last couple of days. I wanted the opportunity to talk to those guys and really make it from the heart. Listen, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I Listen, I, I still think that the Zach is, is, is bad in front of the media, especially the New York media. I mean, that that city, you know, Charles Barkley, and I'm, I'm going to talk about Ben Simmons later, but Charles Barkley, I think, summed it up perfectly when he was talking about sort of these media markets. He said New York, Boston, and Philadelphia are easily the three harshest uh, uh, media markets in terms of sports in the country. LA, LA media can be tough. Bill, Bill Plaschke can be, you know, fair criticism, throw it out there. But those three, they're going to be all over you. And Zach Wilson thus far has has pretty much botched it. But if he, we'll see if he does take accountability move for. I'm I'm always going to give the person the the room to grow. But there's been times in the past that a Baker Mayfield, for example, did you know kind of botched a press conference himself, said he'd do better. He, we still haven't seen better from Baker Mayfield. He's still very, um, very kind of snarky with the media, very quick and blame deflecting. So I have no reason to believe Zach Wilson is going to change necessarily, but I'm going to give him the room to do so if he is indeed willing to do just that. John John says, all we need for Mike to do is throw for a buck 75 and a touchdown, no turnovers. Against the Chicago Bears, that's exactly what you needed to do. Doesn't look, I'm not sure Justin Fields is going to play. I'm not sure Justin Fields should play the rest of the season. Reportedly, he's playing with a, a torn shoulder. So at this point, the Bears are out of the playoffs. You, Justin Fields has been really good this season. Just sit him. You can get a high draft pick. Um, possibly a receiver. That that kid out of TCU is a fantastic talent at wide receiver. Or you could take an offensive lineman. Or you could take an offensive lineman. Uh, because the Bears' offensive line is bad. But I agree with you. Uh, John just says, all we need for Mike to do is throw for 175 yards and a touchdown, no turnovers, a game. And let me see. I haven't checked the Jets' schedule moving forward. Let's see what the Jets got. J-E-T. There, okay, there they are. Okay, so first of all, they are favored by six to beat the Chicago Bears. That seems fair, given the Bears' injuries. Uh, the Jets are, they got a home game against the Bears. Then they got to go to Minnesota. That's a tough one. Uh, they got at Buffalo, okay, home against the Lions, home against the Jags, at Seattle, at Miami. Okay, so there's some tough ones in there. Seattle's a playoff team right now. So is Miami, so is Buffalo, and so are the Vikings. But they're, I mean, they're very winnable games in there, okay? They, they should beat the Detroit Lions. Uh, they should beat the Chicago Bears. Okay, that gets you eight, it's eight wins. Okay, then we're talking Jags. Uh, you know, Jags are kind of an up and down team. They seem to play well every week. They just can't finish in the fourth quarter. Can you can you take at least one of the four toughies? Vikings, uh, Bills, Seahawks, Dolphins. Can you take at least one of those and take care of the rest of the games that you should win? If you do that, Jets are in the playoffs. Like that's, but they're, you know, that's tough. They should beat the Bears and they got two tough games. Then they got two winnable games. And then they got two tough ones to finish the season at Seattle and at Miami. So we'll see what they do. I think they'll get in. Barry says, Mike White won't lose you games. That's what the defense needs. I agree. Now, Mike White is, although, in fairness, his last game he played was against Buffalo, and he threw four picks. 
Now, the Jets weren't as developed back then as they are now. They did not have the defense then as they did na- do now. And certainly Mike White is a year older. But I'm just saying he is certainly capable of throwing a lot of interceptions. But as long as he plays within the offense, within what the Jets want to do on that side of the ball, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They, they should be a playoff team. But the interesting thing, too, is that Robert Sala said at his press conference that the intention is for Zach Wilson to play at some point again this season. So that's the only thing I question. Like, uh, what, are you, what are you doing with that? But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I expect the Jets to win on Sunday against the Bears. Mike White to play moderately well and then move to 7-4 and four and get their season right back on track. Moving on to a team that more than has their season on track. They are going to be just fine moving forward, to say the very least. That would be the San Francisco 49ers who bludgeoned the Arizona Cardinals by a final score of 38-10 to 10 on national television in Mexico City. That, first of all, that felt like a 49ers game, or home game, watching or at least hearing through the TV in Mexico City. There was a ton of Niners fans. Listen, Niners fans travel better than, than, than like, Obviously, Cal- the Cowboys have the biggest fan base, but then you got Pittsburgh as a big fan base. So do the 49ers, and the Packers have a big fan base. Like, these big NFL brands. And, man, there's a lot of fans of Mexico who love the 49ers, and you could tell through the TV. But they absolutely put it on uh, the Arizona Cardinals, 38-10. to 10. I-, I don't think it's even... I don't think it's even a contest at this point. They are clearly and obviously the odds-on favorites come out of the NFC. Now, we know... In the NFL playoffs, the thing that's really great about the NFL playoffs is that every playoff game is a Game 7. We hear all the time in the NBA or in Major League Baseball, man, there's nothing like Game 7. The great, the late, great God rest his soul, Bill Russell, always said there is there's the best two words in sports, Game 7. Well, the great thing about the NFL is every playoff game is a Game 7 because it's win or go home. So the Niners certainly can be beat for a game, and that's all you need in the playoffs. Just win one time and they're out. But right now, I don't see a team even close to San Francisco in the NFC. I said on Monday that Dallas felt to me at this stage in the season, given what I'd seen from them and from everybody else in that conference, Dallas felt to me like the second best team in the NFC. Oh, but they are a mile away from the 49ers. Quarterback, edge to Dallas. Running back, and I love Tony Pollard, but big edge to San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey is a first-team All-Pro. Okay, offensive line. Dallas this has played well, but I'm giving that to San Francisco. Number one receiver, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel. Definitely going 49ers. Uh, number two receiver, Brandon Ayuk, who's leading the team in receiving, or Michael Gallup. I'm going Niners. Okay, tight end, obviously lopsided Niners. You're taking George Kittle over Dalton Schultz any day of the week. Defense. Now you could argue that's a toss-up, but San Francisco is much better at stopping the run, and they're not quite as good at getting to the quarterback as Dallas is. But if they're playing from ahead, they can rush the passer with Nick Bosa, and they have maybe the best linebacker in football in in Fred Warner. And that uh, I forgot how to say his name. Uh, the safety for them has become a star. He, he he's fantastic. And Kyle Shanahan, you're obviously taking over Mike McCarthy. So on down. Okay, who and I got three. I got Tampa Bay as my third best team in the NFC. Okay, quarterback. I'm going Tampa. It's still Tom Brady. I'm, I'm always rolling with Brady over Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. The running game, Niners. Offensive line, Niners. Weapons, Tampa is pretty good, but Niners. Defense, Niners. Coach, Niners. Look at Philadelphia. Quarterback, probably edge Philadelphia, but I'm not certain. Okay, 
But then on from there, running back, Niners, offensive line, I go Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a better offensive line than San Francisco. Weapons, Niners. Defense, Niners. Coach, lopsided, Niners. Okay? Uh, you know, you got Philadelphia. You got uh, uh, from there, you know, who you taking? Minnesota, probably. Again, Niners are better than them in just about every way, shape, and form. And when you talk about a San Francisco team whose game travels, Early in that game, it, I think it caught a lot of people. It even seemed to take uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who called the game the other night off guard, just out of nowhere. Here comes the rain. It, you, you know, uh, it, the rain starts coming in from, from the roof of the stadium. It's like, oh, crap, okay, this might be a little bit of an ugly game. Didn't affect the 49ers at all. Did not affect the San Francisco 49ers at all. And as a matter of fact, they seem to kind of embrace it. Because when you're talking about a team with a defense-first mentality, when you're talking about a team that's offense leans into running the football, didn't affect them at all. They averaged 5.7 a carry on a uh, on, on 28 carries for the game for 159 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo, I have been critical of him, but with that said, he's been outstanding, or he played outstanding on a Monday. Okay, 20 for 29, 228, four touchdowns, no interceptions, QBR of 77. That's pretty good, and a pass rating of 131. So, working on second and third and short situations, that's where the Niners win. That's where, again, when you talk about adding the likes of a Christian McCaffrey, and you talk about having Elijah Mitchell back healthy now, this whole team, Debo's back, Trent Williams is back. Man, you want to play San Francisco in the postseason? I don't. I sure don't. Balance. Scheming having an identity, knowing what they are, does anybody in the NFC come close to San Francisco? I don't think they do. To me, it is a massive, under, barring some major injuries to their major players, knock them with it, that doesn't happen because we don't wish an injury on anybody. Barring something like that happening, it would be a colossal disappointment if the San Francisco 49ers do not reach this year's Super Bowl. It, it, it would be. Because not only do they have stars everywhere, they're deep. I mean, look at some of these these pass rushers for San Francisco. They just bring fresh guys in off the bench, and they get to the quarterback. I mean, Colt McCoy had a terrible night. Yeah, most quarterbacks would have a terrible night when your offensive line can't protect against that defensive line and when the secondary is flying all over the place. Even, I mean, again, the the secondary has actually taken a – uh, Mufunga is that what's his name? Uh, gosh, I gotta get his name right. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher it because he played really well. Hufunga, okay. Uh, yeah, Tolanoa Hufunga, the the safety for the 49ers, has played exceptionally well this season. The secondary stepped up. So again, NFC. Who are you definitively taking to beat San Francisco? The obviously the only concern I have is Jimmy. It's the only concern I have. If you ask Jimmy to go win the game, if you're down 10 in the fourth quarter, if you're down four in the fourth quarter, you said, Jimmy, there's a minute and a half left. We've got one timeout. We're starting at our own 25. Can you take us 75 yards to win the game? This episode is brought to you by Paycor. Paycor empowers leaders to build winning teams. With Paycor, leaders can recruit, onboard and train employees, set goals and drive performance. If you're a leader, everyone depends on you. Who do leaders depend on? Paycor. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders.
I, I don't know. Even with all the playmakers, we haven't seen him do it yet. Again, I hate to have to do this, but I always have it ready. Anytime I, anytime I talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, here's his playoff numbers. 160 yards a game, four touchdowns, six picks, 61% completion, a 74 passer rating, not even league average. But he has a 4-2 and two record because he has some of the best supporting cast around him, maybe the best supporting cast around him in pro football. I mean, if you gave, put Joe Burrow, I don't know, put Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or somebody like that on this 49ers team. Oh my gosh, it's it's, it's over. They, they might be undefeated right now. They, they might seriously be, un, be undefeated right now. Jimmy's my only concern. But outside of that, there is no reason that this team should not be in the Super Bowl on February 12th in Glendale, Arizona, facing whoever comes the AFC, out of the AFC. Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, whoever it is, Bengals. Man, this team's legit. I think it's also, excuse me, I think it's also really interesting that, you know, the Niners now are in first place in the NFC West. So, and their remaining schedule, let's look at the Niners' schedule moving forward. Obviously, 10 games of a season. Okay, they got the Saints at home. They're big favorites over the Saints on, on Sunday afternoon. Then they got Miami. That's a very interesting game. Now, you know, going into the season, we weren't sure how cool this would be. This is a big game. Miami going to San Francisco. They got Tampa at Seattle, Commanders at uh, Vegas, and then finishing at home against the Cardinals. There's some, there's some, what if gimmies, if you will, they should beat the Saints. They should beat, you know, Vegas. They probably should beat Washington as well as Arizona. But, you know, you got Tampa in there. Seattle's no easy out. Neither is Miami. So, this Niners team, though, feels like they're they're the favorite, certainly to win the NFC West, but I think to win the NFC. I think to win the NFC. You want to you want to play them? Would you rather face Would you rather face the Niners or the Cowboys or the Buccaneers or the Eagles or the Vikings? I'll I'll face any of those four. I'll face the San Francisco 49ers without a question. But moving our only NBA topic of the day is, is an interesting one. So the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Brooklyn Nets 115 to 106. Nets dropped to 8 and 10. And it's and this season's been a total disaster for the Nets. Not really much of a surprise to anyone. They're just flat up not a very good basketball team. But Ben Simmons made his return to Philadelphia. And I will have to say, and you guys know, nobody, maybe in, in, on any podcast, TV show, radio show, whatever, media consumption uh, article, I don't think anybody has been more critical Ben Simmons than yours truly. But I give credit where credit's due on this show. And given the the moment, given the noise around him, I actually thought Ben Simmons did a pretty good job, not only on the court, but in terms of controlling what he can control, not letting the crowd get to him too much. Again, you look at a stat line, it's not bad. Four for seven, 11 points, 11 assists, seven rebounds. Like, that's about what we expect from Ben Simmons with the Brooklyn Nets. You're never going to get that and we, we knew this years ago, but you're never going to get that number one pick type talent from Ben Simmons. Because Ben Simmons has the talent to be a top 10 player in the NBA. But he's never going to be that because he doesn't. He lacks the intangibles. He is a two or best case, a three on a championship contender. In this case, he's a three on a team that may not even go to the playoffs. But bigger picture for the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant won't be there. <laughs> You, it doesn't take very long when you're watching the Nets play, especially the second halves of games, because that's when you, your legs get more tired and you've you've battled on both sides of the floor. 
especially when you're on the road. Watch, look at Katie's body language. Look at, and Katie's a good defender, but look at him on defense. Kevin Durant does not want to be at Brooklyn Net. He made that clear this summer when he asked out, requested a trade from Brooklyn, okay? I think it even heightened, it heightened even more when Kyrie Irving got into yet another controversy. It heightened even more when the Nets didn't fire Steve Nash or Sean Marks, excuse me, just to go ahead and fire Steve Nash early in this season. And in Kevin Durant's eyes, he's like, well, why didn't you do that for the season? Why, why, why do we have to waste our first 10 games to figure that out that we don't need Steve Nash? And Kevin Durant certainly deserves blame for his, I wouldn't say lackluster play. Yes, he is averaging 30 for crying out loud. But Kevin doesn't want to be there. And listen, I will continue to recruit one Kevin Durant back to my Golden State Warriors until proven otherwise. He is more than welcome back because, as I said last week, KD needs the Warriors right now, and the Warriors need KD way more than was the case in 2016. Golden State was going to win the championship in 2017 with or without Durant. But now, listen, both sides need each other because guess what? Both sides are 8 and 10. Now, Golden State obviously has a much better future ahead in terms of this season. Clay looks like he's back, gotten his legs. He's had two, one good game against the Knicks, one great game against the Rockets on Sunday, 41 points on 10 threes. Steph Curry, Steph Curry, we know what he represents. He's going to put you to bed every other night. Okay, Draymond's doing what Draymond has always done. The stat sheet has never been a good uh, indicator of how well he plays and how much he controls the pace and the tempo and controlling both sides of the floor every single game. Wiggins is going to give you 18, 7, and great defense. The question for the Warriors is defense and the bench. Get those right, they'll be right back in the finals. But it goes back, I mentioned Kyrie Irving, and this he just played his second game since coming back from his suspension for the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, I'm telling you, guys, I've been trying to say this. I did a whole segment on it last week about how Kyrie Irving has never been a winning player, how you are actually better without him than with him, which seems oxymoronic considering his undeniable talent on the court. Brooklyn Nets, defensively, before, during the Kyrie suspension, they gave up 104 points a game. The other team shot 35% from three-point range. Since Kyrie has returned, they've gone from giving up 104 points per game to 115 points per game. They've gone from giving up a 35% three-point percentage to giving up a 40% three-point percentage. So right back comes Kyrie Irving, and right back comes the Brooklyn Nets defense into being atrocious. Without him, they were a top 10 defense in the league. With him, they're awful. So I would be, if you if you were listening to the show and, and, and you were in a time machine, you're watching the show in April of 2023, and you could somehow tell me, hey, Bryson, this team is going to be together. Kevin, Kyrie, Simmons, everybody else, they're still going to be here come April. I'd be stunned. Stunned because KD doesn't want to be there. Reportedly, I, I read the other day, the Nets are actively trying to move Kyrie, which I've been saying that. I said that during the suspension. Use that as your opportunity to, to, to trade him. And Ben Simmons, likely they'll just keep him around 
you know, see if they can develop him into a number two type star while they try and get some draft picks and then just see what happens with him. He's on a long contract. He'll be there for the foreseeable future. But if you're Brooklyn and you want any chance whatsoever to be even relevant, you have to trade Kevin Durant. It'll be better for Kevin. It'll be better for Brooklyn. And please trade Kyrie Irving. If anything, I'd trade Kyrie for I'd trade KD. If anything, I would trade Kyrie and give it a whole month. You had eight games of Kyrie being gone. So a decent level sample size in which you saw improvements on both sides of the floor. But say they trade him in mid-December. Wait till mid-January. Play a whole month. See what you got. The KD Simmons, you know, Royce O'Neal Nets with Patty Mills, with Nick Claxton, with Seth Curry, Joe Harris. See, see how it works. If it doesn't, okay, now you move Kevin. Now you move Kevin to a contender and get a lot of assets in return and rebuild your franchise. But if you are hoping that this group is going to contend for a championship, well, you're going to be pretty disappointed by season's end because this team is not going anywhere. Again, not even certain they're going to make the playoffs. They have Kevin Durant, so they probably will because Kevin's a, a top five player in basketball. But... They're, if they get there, it's probably going to be the same result as last year because they'll face either Milwaukee or Boston, and just like Boston did to them last year, they'll get swept. So, if you're the Nets, look out for your own best interest, and you can still look out for the best interest of Kevin Durant as well. Get assets in return for him. Send him to a contender, which is what he clearly wants to do. He wants to get back in the championship discussion. He's never going to do that in Brooklyn. Just allow him the opportunity to go elsewhere, and... uh and, and compete for championships again. Because Kevin Durant is, is a guy who has earned the right to, year in and year out, being in his prime, compete for titles. And Lord knows he'll be doing a lot of that if he returns to Golden State. Again, it's like, it's like the prodigal son. You're always, no matter how much you've wronged us, Kevin. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that can earn 4.15% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account. A high-yield, low-effort way to grow your money with no fees. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone to start earning and growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners. Subject to eligibility. Savings accounts by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. And it wasn't as much as people give it credit for. You are always welcome home. But to college football for a moment, because there's something going on here that is oh so fascinating. And I was really curious when I watched the playoff committee last night, when I watched them do the college football playoff rankings last night, there was two things I'm looking for. One, if my balls dropped out of the top 10. We did not. We're still 10. Let's go. Let's take care of Vandy this Sunday or this Saturday, guys. And then secondly, and more importantly in the bigger landscape, what they do with number seven. The top six to me were pretty obvious. Like I, I put out, and I'll put it on, the, on, the, on the, the screen again, my top six mirrors exactly to a T what the playoff committee's top six were. So this is the top six. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, LSU, USC. Like there you go. Like that's, that's the top six. We all pretty much agree on that. But numbers, who was number seven? Could it be Oregon? Could they jump back up after losing that game against Washington a couple weeks back? 
Could it be Clemson? I mean, they only have one loss. Could Tennessee be easily forgiven for giving up 63 points to South Carolina? No, and they shouldn't be coming from a Vols fan. Or would it be the team who so often we are used to being in this very spotlight? And that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is number seven. Folks, I'm going to look dead into this camera and say this. The Alabama Crimson Tide will participate in this season's college football playoff. Book it. Whether you or I like it or not, they will be in it. When you look at Alabama's season, it's been weird. Weirder than most Alabama seasons. First of all, to me, the biggest shock for Alabama this year, how many games are they going to have double-digit penalties? I mean, they had that game against Texas. They have, what, like 15 penalties? Like Nick Saban teams? Same thing against Tennessee, against LSU. They even had a little bit of a penalty issue against Ole Miss. It's like, what, what is going on with this? Number two, Alabama, who famously, for the majority of this dynasty, was never reliant on their quarterback being amazing. Is now, when they, when they know Bryce Young, they're kind of awful offensively. Look at them against Arkansas when Bryce Young went out, and then against Texas A&M when Bryce missed the entire game due to shoulder injury. I don't know. I mean, that, that Milrow kid, He listen, he's jacked, okay? He's, he's built like a tank. But he can't play quarterback. Like, he, he's bad. They, they need Bryce Young. But we know that there is an SEC bias in the college football playoff committee. By the way, I have no issue with that. Because the SEC is by, I wouldn't say a mile, because the Pac-12 has been really good this year. But by a pretty comfortable margin, is still the best conference in college football. You get the best recruits. They play the biggest games. They play the toughest schedules. Year in and year out, they're always in the national championship game. An SEC team always gets there. In some cases, it's been two SEC teams, like last year. They're without a doubt. Anybody, everybody knows this, the best conference in college football. Alabama's proven time and time again that anytime, think about 2017, when everybody, I was one of those who said, hey, why isn't Ohio State in the playoff? Okay, they've looked better on film than Alabama. Bama struggled against inferior opponents. Uh, Ohio State won the Big Ten championship game convincingly, but what did the committee say? They have two losses, but more importantly, we just trust Alabama more. And what happened that season? Alabama won the national championship. And you say, well, how's, how's Alabama going to get in? And Bryce, like, you're not making a whole lot of sense here. Okay, well, it makes sense. Here's Alabama's path to the playoff. So first of all, they got to take care of their end of the bargain. They got to beat Auburn. They're going to do that. They're going to do that easily. They're 22-point favorites. I usually say in these type of games, stay away from these lines. But Alabama is at home where they're almost unbeatable, and they're facing 5-6 and six Auburn. If you watch Auburn this season, I hate to hear that because they've sucked. They're looking for a new head coach. It's It's been a disaster for Auburn. Bama beats Auburn convincingly, okay? USC plays two games the rest of the season. So they've got Notre Dame. What do we know about Notre Dame? 
They're on a little bit of a winning streak here. This is not the same Notre Dame Marcus Freeman coach team that lost to Marshall earlier this season. Okay? This is not that same Notre Dame team. This Notre Dame team runs it down your throat, doesn't care, uh, you know, is not afraid of the big moment. They play big games on NBC every Saturday, and they will be looking to end USC season. USC is coming off of just an emotional, crazy game of the weekend in college football, beating UCLA last week. Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, everybody is getting praised, talking about how great they are and how, oh my goodness, USC is going to make the college football playoff. And they've got Notre Dame on Saturday. And even if they beat Notre Dame, they will likely have to face Oregon. And outside of Georgia, Oregon should probably have won every single game they played this year. Bonix is a playmaker. That defense is no joke. So USC's got to play Notre Dame and likely Oregon their last two games. Is it crazy to say they'll lose one of those two? I'd say it's more likely they used to lose to Notre Dame. I think they will on Saturday. What's the third thing? Michigan needs to lose to Ohio State. Why, why you say you know one of those teams are going to lose because they play each other? They're two and obviously number two Ohio State, number three Michigan. Why? But what about Ohio State? Well, the reason I say Michigan is because Ohio State has a much better resume than Michigan does. Okay, both teams smack Penn State. The difference is Ohio State beat Notre Dame. So, impressive home win against the team that is currently in the top 15, Notre Dame, and they both have a common win over Penn State. Except I think Ohio State actually had to go to Penn State. Michigan's, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was at home. So Michigan loses to Ohio State. You're telling me one lost Michigan, and let's say they got smoked by Ohio State, right? Blake Corum likely isn't going to be able to play. J.J. McCarthy, their quarterback, really struggled against Illinois. I don't know. You're telling me that their resume stacked up against Alabama's is the same because neither would be a division champ. And Michigan's loss would have come to Ohio State likely in blowout fashion. Alabama's two losses would come to currently 10th-ranked Tennessee on a walk-off field goal. Thank you, Chase McGrath. And to 5th-ranked LSU on the road on a two-point conversion. If Chase McGrath misses that field goal, and if Jaden Daniels doesn't hit Mason Taylor for a two-point conversion, Alabama's probably undefeated. And they're probably sitting there as the number one or number two team in the country. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So their resume would be better than Michigan's. Fourth thing. LSU loses to Georgia. This looks increasingly likely. You say, well, I mean, come on, Bryce. Like, Georgia only beat Kentucky by 10. And they only beat Missouri by 4. Yeah, you know what I know about Georgia? Here's what I know about the Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions. When it's time to play, when it's games that everybody's got their eyes on, 
Number one game of the weekend. They make an example out of their opponent. They embarrass them. What they did to Oregon was just short of child abuse. 49-3. to What they did to my Vols a few weeks ago was just downright wrong. And that was when Tennessee was at that point the number one team in the country. And Georgia dominated them for 60 minutes. For three and a half hours. So Georgia is going to dominate LSU in the SEC championship game. Okay? LSU last week, sorry, a couple weeks ago, faced Arkansas, who had just lost to Liberty. LSU beat them by three. Okay? LSU was in a dogfight with Florida for a long time during that game. They got smoked at home by Tennessee, who Georgia smoked. Georgia's going to beat LSU. So that takes LSU out of the mix because they're a three-loss team compared to Bama's two losses. And then TCU. Now this one, I don't. I think, is the least important. TCU, to me, is the least important uh, player in this situation in order for Alabama get to get into the college football playoff. TCU, though, it would certainly help Alabama if they lose one of their remaining two games. Because if you look at TCU when they're, where they're sitting right now, okay? This weekend, they're taking on Iowa State. They should win that game pretty easily. Iowa State's 4-7. and seven. They're not a very good football team. TCU should win pretty easily. But then, in all likelihood, they will face Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. Now, Kansas State, as it stands right now, is ranked 12th. They played really good football this season. They're favored to win their ninth game of the year, finished 9-3. and three. That is a tough game, probably the toughest game for TCU all season, either that or Texas. So there's an a, a opportunity for TCU to lose in the Big 12 championship game. You think the committee's going to favor TCU over Alabama? I'm telling you, should all of this occur, the Alabama Crimson Tide will, without question, secure a spot in the college football playoff. You may not like it. I'm not an Alabama fan whatsoever. Not in the slightest, okay? It, it brought me great joy what my Vols did to them, and listen, if, if for the record, I've always respected Alabama. I don't necessarily hate Alabama as much as I dislike their fans because their fans are just the worst. They really are. But I am very thankful on this Thanksgiving of what my Vols did to them this year. That said, it took a walk-off field goal. It took for LSU to beat them. To go for two, one, probably the gutsiest play call of the college football season by Brian Kelly. Going for two against, at the time, I think number six ranked Alabama. I'm sorry, but if all of these occur, what would the playoff rankings look like? I don't have the graphic right here in front of me, but it would likely be Georgia, Ohio State, but it would be the obvious number one, number two. And then the debate comes between Alabama. You still certainly have to look at TCU if they're one loss. If TCU's undefeated, TCU's in. Like, there's no question about it. You can't take an, you can't, you know, punish an undefeated team in the Power Five. Now, outside the Power Five, I got a big issue with Cincinnati getting in the college football playoff last year. Hated it, and that was the only game in my life that I've rooted for Alabama. And they did. They won convincingly in that game. But if you go undefeated in the Power Five, I don't care what your schedule is. You're in the college football playoff. Now, if you lose one, okay, we got a debate. TCU wins out, they're in the playoff. But then that fourth spot, here's the debate. USC will have two losses. 
Uh, I mean, it depends on when that second loss comes. If it comes to the Pac-12 championship game, that'll be far more damaging. But still, two loss USC. Who lost to Utah? Utah's a very good football team, but Utah lost to Florida. Folks, let me tell you from a Tennessee fan, and it gives me great joy and pleasure to say this. Florida sucks. Okay? And Utah lost to them. And USC lost to Utah. So, I mean, we can do this debate all day. But what the committee said last night, Alabama has a real shot and still alive to get in the college football playoff, despite being a two-loss non-division champ. We've always had a debate, well, can a two-loss get, team get in the playoff? Well, yeah, if they win their conference tournament and their resume look, looks good. Bama's resume isn't overwhelming. Honestly, their best win of the season is probably Texas. But their two losses, albeit losses, are probably the two most impressive losses of any team who has a chance to get in the playoff. At Tennessee, at LSU. So, they're going to get in. I mean, they listen, they don't call the Alabama Invitational for no reason. All right? They, they, they don't call that for no reason. But, you know, when, when you talk about the, and I'll put it up there again. I'll, I'll put up the Alabama's path to the playoff once again. They got to beat Auburn, which they will. USC's got to lose one of their remaining two games. Michigan's got to lose to Ohio State. I say Michigan because their resume today isn't as good as Ohio State. And frankly, what they put on film as of late isn't as good as Ohio State. LSU's got to lose to Georgia. That looks highly likely. And then finally, TCU losing one of their remaining two games. And even that one, I'm not certain, is mandatory. We'll put it that way. But what a, what a run this is going to what a last week in a college football this is going to be. What a crazy season this, is, this has been. As my man Reese Davis from ESPN always says, and I, I always agree with him, and we think about a month ago, we're like, oh, you know, there's these debates and Tennessee and Georgia and Michigan and Oregon and all the. As Reese Davis always says, this playoff, as crazy it is, four teams, it always plays itself out to where once we get to selection Sunday, we're all, for the most part, in agreement of who the four best teams are. Now, in this case, I'm not sure if we will be because Alabama still has a shot to get in. But I'm here to tell you right now, the Alabama Crimson Tide will participate in this year's college football playoff. And what a wild turn of events that would be. Weren't they outside of the top 10 recently, if I'm not mistaken? Let's see, how, how low did, did Alabama get? I, I got to check uh, where they were at. Obviously, they got the Iron Bowl on Saturday, which usually is like a must-watch game because those tend to be classic battles, especially in the last decade. Okay, the lowest Alabama drop was nine, and they beat Ole Miss, then they went up to eight, now they're up to seven. Trust me, in two weeks' time, they'll move up three spots and get in the college football playoff. And then we'll get Georgia, Alabama, in the semifinal game. I will certainly favor Georgia. But sign me up. Sign me up for that. Uh, we have got some breaking news. Before I get to my NFL prediction, we've actually got some breaking news that just came in right now. This is from Adam Schefter. says, quote, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers confirmed today that he has been, he has been playing with a broken right thumb. Okay, uh, 
Well, this kind of goes to what I've been saying about the Packers the last, well, ever since going into the Dallas game. And even after they won the Dallas game, I said, you need to sit Aaron after the Philadelphia game. They lost to Tennessee. They're now 4-7. and seven. They're not going to beat the Eagles. So if Philadelphia takes care of business, do, does what they should do, Green Bay will be 4-8, and eight, third in their division, and their season will be over. Bench Aaron, get a high draft pick if Jordan Love stinks. If he doesn't stink, hey, we got a franchise quarterback, and you trade him after the season. That's why I'm rolling. That's why I'm rolling. <laughs> My man, James Scott, across the Pond Sports Network. Shout out to all the guys and gals over there. They do a great job. James asked, what happened to the Vols? Sir, that would that is a uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh obviously, listen, the best explanation I can give you is that Tennessee's captain of their defense, Jeremy Banks, who's a linebacker, was out for this game due to an undisclosed injury. There's a lot of rumors going around Twitter about if he was suspended, if he was actually injured. I have absolutely no clue. Uh Listen, I trust Josh Heupel, the head coach, and in, in, in making the decision that's best for the football program. But the depressing part about that loss to South Carolina is that the offense actually didn't play bad. They put up 38 points. You put up you, you put up 38 points, that should win you every single game for the most part, unless you're playing like, you know, an explosive offense or something. Unless you're playing like Ohio State. But to give up 63 points to the 11th best offense in the SEC, not in college football, in the SEC, to Spencer Rattler, who you guys know, I'm not a Spencer Rattler fan at all. But Spencer Rattler coming into that game had eight touchdown passes and nine interceptions. After the game was over, he had 14 touchdowns and nine interceptions. He almost doubled his touchdown total for the whole season in that game. In one game, it gets my balls to knock us out completely out of the college football playoff mix. I wish I could have done the segments on Tennessee the way I just did it for Alabama. I wish I could tell you that Tennessee is seven and still has a very good shot to get in, uh, but we don't. We don't. It's It sucks. Uh, James says, my WNBA co-host, Michelle Snow, shout out to Michelle Snow, VFL, a ball for life, who dunked for the balls, uh, was uh, was very, very happy when they beat Alabama. Trust me, James, you you have no idea. You listen, I wasn't there. I didn't have the privilege to be in Knoxville, Tennessee on the night of October 15th of 2022. But that game and that night and that celebration is I, I've said it on the show is my top two is one of my top two sports memories of my life. Literally. Just the build up, how crazy up and down and up and down, how the emotions flow all over the place during the game. And then the finish to, to win. I mean, again, to beat Bama for Will Riker, who's Alabama's kicker, to miss a field goal when the game is tied at 49. There's 15 seconds on the clock. And it's like, oh my gosh. This, I, remember, when I remember looking at the clock. It said 15 seconds. I'm like, oh, this, we're going to win the game. It's poetic justice. 15 years that we have been waiting to beat Alabama, and there's 15 seconds on the clock. And my man, Hinton Hooker, knock on wood for him, praying for you, buddy. Please get well soon. And, and, and kick butt in the NFL. I mean, Hinden, Hinden Hooker, two best passes down the field to Ramel Keaton and to Brew McCoy. Walk-off field goal by Chase McGrath to beat Alabama. 
yes, Michelle, I'm sure Michelle, it, it was a different type of joy for her considering that she played in a Tennessee Vols uniform for the late, great Pat Summit. Um, but shout out to, to Michelle, shout out to all the VFLs, and shout out to what was a, a great, great night in, in, in Knox, Vegas, as we call it. Now, we got three NFL games on, Saturday, on uh, Thursday, I'm sorry, tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day. Again, once again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Be a very happy Thanksgiving. But we've got three games on Thursday. Of course, there's a Lions game, and of course, there's a Cowboys game. And then you got a really interesting nightcap game between two teams with winning records. So, here we go. Let's get the predictions going. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills coming, coming to the Motor City to take on the Detroit Lions. Buffalo on the road is favored minus nine and a half. If this were a Sunday game, I might make it if I were a bet man. Because take Detroit in the points all day. Here's why. Detroit has has won their last three games, including two on the road. This is significant because the Lions had not won a road game until the season under Dan Campbell. Jared Goff is playing mistake-free football. They're running the ball really well. Jamal Williams had three touchdowns against the New York Giants last week, and the Giants have a pretty good run defense. He did a great job against them. That offensive line, led by Pinnell Sewell, is really starting to find its mojo and its momentum. And they're going to need it against this Bills defensive line, which has played well all season, you know, led by Von Miller, of course. But you've got Buffalo, and I'm telling you, something's off about the Bills in the last four weeks. They struggled against Green Bay, and then they lost to the Jets, which it's not, it's not, not, it's, it's not a, uh, you know, not saying that the Jets are bad, it's just their quarterback's bad. You can't lose to Zach Wilson. Can't have your, Zach Wilson not play your superstar franchise quarterback. And then they lose the following week. Then they beat Cleveland on Sunday. It's a good win for them. Ironically, in Detroit. But then they got, once again, in Detroit against the, the, the Lions. I think Detroit's offense keeps it close for a while. We know, for the Lions, it's their biggest game of the year. It's, first of all, they're 4-6, and six, so this is kind of an elimination-type game. They're facing a team that a lot of people think is going to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Okay. And, and, and they know it's national television, Thanksgiving Day. Take the, the Lions and the points. Nine and a half is a lot on the road against a team that's playing well. But I will take the Bills straight up and outright to win this game by a final score of 28 to, 20, uh, to 23 over the Detroit Lions. I think it's a fascinating game back and forth. But Buffalo wins it in the end. Uh, before I get to my next game, we got a comment here. Uh, yes, from James Scott across the Pond Sports Network. He says, happy Thanksgiving, big man. Cowboys winning all the way. Well, it's funny, sir, that you bring up the Cowboys because they are my, uh, as we're going to debut a new segment for Thanksgiving, my gobble it up. Not carving it up, my gobble it up. Game of the year. And it is certainly the biggest game on Thursday. It's the New York Giants. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Two of the biggest brands of the National Football League go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Both teams sitting there with a 7-3 and three record. We know this game will, in all likelihood, be the highest-rated game of the NFL regular season because it always is. It's Thanksgiving. It's the Cowboys. It's They're synonymous with one another. You got the star in the helmets playing the team for the Big Apple. Just for perspective, last year's Cowboys-Raiders game was the highest-rated NFL regular season game since 1994. So 
listen, if this game tomorrow breaks that record, I will at all be shocked because of the magnitude of it, because of the brands, and because of how big this game for both these teams for a couple of reasons. A, the winner of this game keeps pace with the Eagles in the NFC East. The loser is focused on getting a wild card spot from this point moving forward. And then secondly, possibly the winner of this game gets Odell Beckham Jr. Because OBJ has made it as clear as day. These are his two finalists about where he's going to play next uh, this season, the rest of the year. Either a reunion with the Giants or it comes to the Hollywood of the NFL, as I've heard it been called, the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's Dallas. I think OBJ fits better in Dallas. He's not as much of a... They won't rely on him as much in Dallas as they would with an incredibly thin receiving core with the Giants. And that kind of leads me to this. The Giants did not play well last week against Detroit, as I mentioned. But they're sitting there with Daniel Jones. What do they call him? Vanilla Vic? Because he's, he's, he's actually pretty mobile. He doesn't look mobile, but he is. He's fast. He can run. But if you ask Daniel Jones to win you a game, folks, he's not capable of doing that. If Saquon Barkley isn't running down people's throats, if the defense isn't getting multiple takeaways a game, if Brian Dable doesn't have the perfect game plan, they can't win. Daniel Jones cannot be successful. This is an interesting game for the Dallas Cowboys because in recent years, they've really struggled on Thanksgiving Day. If you think about 2012, they lost to Washington. In 2014, they lost to the Eagles. In 2015, they lost to the Panthers. In 2017, they lost to the Chargers. And then they've lost all of the last three years to the Bills, Washington, and Raiders. So, just for Thanksgiving Day's sake, this is a big game because you want to break that losing streak. But for, for the Cowboys, a 40-3 beatdown of the Minnesota Vikings. Expectations have raised a little bit. Jerry Jones hyping this team up, saying, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. As Jerry is apt to do from time to time during a hot streak during the season. Whole country's watching. If you're a Super Bowl contender, these are the games you got to win. Four offensive linemen are out for the New York Giants. The receiving core is the, probably the thinnest in football this side of the New England Patriots. Daniel Jones is not playing well. They're missing some starters on defense. And... The Cowboys beat the Giants in week three with Cooper Rush at quarterback. So now you got Dak behind uh, Dak in the saddle, if you will. One more stat before I give you my final score. The Dak haters don't want you to know this, but I'm a Dak supporter, so I will let you know. Since, and I will say his full given name, Rain Dakota Prescott, since he returned from his thumb injury in week seven. Dallas Cowboys have the best offense in the National Football League, averaging 35 points per contest. So facing a Giants defense in which how many did they score with Cooper Rush on the road last time? They scored 23. Expect a little more. Expect to enjoy, if you're a Cowboys fan, expect to uh, enjoy this along with your turkey. By this point, towards the end of the game, you'll probably be eating some pumpkin pie. I know I will. I love pumpkin pie. It's underrated. The Cowboys are going to win this game easily. 38-17. to 17. There's too many injuries for the Giants. Obviously, I forgot to mention, Cowboys are favored minus 10. But this is a bigger game for Dallas for the Giants because there's bigger expectations always for the Cowboys than there are the Giants. If Dallas wins this game, 
two wins in five days to go to eight and three, they will have their sights not on only on Odell Beckham Jr., who at that point will likely choose the Cowboys over his old team, the Giants. But possibly on the number one seed in the NFC. Minnesota's likely to lose a game or two from here on out, and Dallas will have the tiebreaker over them. And the Cowboys certainly, given Philadelphia's schedule and given Dallas's schedule in the three weeks following this game, can catch the Eagles for that NFC East. So, big game for the Cowboys. Unlike usual, I think they will respond. Why? Simply put, the Giants are beat up, and I got Dak Prescott, and you don't if you're the New York Giants. Last game, I just mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. They got a home game on Thanksgiving Day. They take on the New England Patriots. All right, uh, uh, Vikings in this game are favored minus two and a half. This is an interesting one. I've got a theory. It's not necessarily my theory, but it's, it's, it's often been the history of this league. Very prideful guys are NFL players and are NFL coaches. And when they're humiliated, especially if they're humiliated on national television, if it's a Monday night game, Sunday night game, if it's a big primetime game, heck, if it's a game against the Dallas Cowboys, because they get a lot of primetime games, in which the Vikings did on Sunday. Big CBS game. Nance and Romo on the call. Everybody's watching. You're 8-1. and one, And you get beat by 37 at home. Teams like that, listen. Nobody in life gets likes to get embarrassed. But NFL players... I mean, listen, we we all get embarrassed in life. How'd you like to get embarrassed in front of millions of people? By a team that's kind of rubbing it in your face by the time the game's over. That sticks with you. And when you get the opportunity just four days later to play again in that same stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, you're going to take it out on somebody. And so I'm looking at them playing the Patriots. Folks, the Patriots offense is awful. Not that I didn't need to tell you that. I told you that back in August. They got a special teams coordinator and a defensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator. Explain that to me. Explain that to me. It makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't, okay? And you got Mac Jones playing awful football. Mac Jones this season. Four touchdowns, seven picks, an average QBR of 31, which is 29th in the NFL. And he is 29th also passing yards. So he doesn't take care of the ball. He's bad in the red zone. He's inaccurate. And he tends to post bad QBRs. That's not a good combination considering the fact that you're going into a building where a really good football team is going to play really angry. Vikings cover the two and a half point spread easily and win this game by a final score of 29 to 16 over the New England Patriots. Vikings win this one 29-16 to cap off a great day of Thanksgiving Day football. 29-16 over the Patriots. And again, for the Patriots schedule moving forward, this, this game kind of starts a stretch for New England where their schedule is brutal. So I mentioned Vikings tomorrow. Then they got the Bills at the Cardinals. Is it too bad? Neither is the Raiders. But then you finish with Bengals, Dolphins, Bills. I'm still sticking to my preseason prediction. The New England Patriots are not going to make the playoffs this season. And it's their collapse. Or is it really collapse if we're not expecting them to get in? Well, I guess some people are expecting them to get in. So their collapse begins tomorrow. And a lot of that is because they got Mac Jones at quarterback. And he can't go very far with him. That's my predictions. Got a comment here. 
from James. He says, uh, on our guest, the win margins, I took Cowboys by 10. Okay, I respect that. And again, that's exactly what they're favored by. So uh, a Cowboys 10-point win, I think you'd feel uh, good about. Again, James, for those of you who don't know, is a Cowboys fan. Uh, and again, the reason they're such big favorites is because the injuries of the Giants, how the Giants have been playing, how the Cowboys have been playing. They've been getting healthy as of late. That defense is playing out of its mind ever since they uh, blew the 14-point lead against the Packers. You know, Micah Parsons said after that Packers loss, and this week I talk about Zach Wilson kind of circling back to the earlier segment with Zach Wilson about taking accountability. Great players, the best players, always take accountability. For I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the few exceptions, but he's he's all time great. So, you know, some people choose to move past that. I don't, but some people do. Point is, you've got Micah Parsons, who to me is a top ten player in the National Football League, asked during the week leading up to the Vikings game. They said, "Hey, the stats show." that you're deep, the defense was better with Cooper Rush at quarterback than with Dak. Is that because you've let off the gas pedal now that you've got your starting quarterback back and you know you don't have to play perfect in order to win because your offense is better with Dak? And he basically said, yeah, yeah, we, I mean, we kind of let our foot off the gas pedal, but be assured that won't happen again. So far, so good. You gave up a field goal to the Minnesota Vikings. You're pretty good performance. And so now you get the New York Giants. I expect the Cowboys to win this one fairly easily. Uh, in that case, 31 to 17. Man, what a weekend we have. And by the way, we will be back on Friday, Black Friday, which is Black Friday that important at this point now that we got Cyber Monday? I mean, why Why would you, I mean, at this point with, with all, with, with technology, with Amazon, with the, I mean, why would you get in line at five o'clock in the morning for their, uh, you know, early deals when you can just do it online. They got deals online. That's why they got Cyber, Mon- Cyber Monday. Just, just shop online. I don't, I don't know. I've never been a Black Friday fan. For those of you out there that are, hey, teach their own, but I, I'm always rolling with Cyber Monday. It's like, dude, you, you can literally, it's, it's, it's Black Friday, but from your, within your pajamas. Or you can just, you know, if you're at work and you're like, hey, I need to buy this for, you know, this special person in my life. You just go on your phone and you order it. I don't know. That's maybe I'm just weird. Uh, James says our host. Uh, I hope I'm saying uh, the name correctly. Uh, her name correctly. Sean uh, Duthy is that? I, th- I think that's how I say her name. Said on Monday she thought Wilson would be dropped. So there. I mean that. There you go. And um, and at the end of the day, when you have Zach Wilson playing the way he's playing, compounded with the fact that he doesn't seem all that. Uh, Upset, if you will, after the loss at himself. It's like, man, this this kid not only does it does not take accountability, he's kind of tone deaf. He's kind of he doesn't have the self-awareness that you would want in a franchise quarterback. And James says the UK doesn't have Thanksgiving, although I will be having turkey, but we have adopted Black Friday. Well, listen, that's the again, the thing again with Black Friday, I got no issue like with the I guess it's kind of I don't want to say it's a holiday. It's, I mean some people do, so I guess it's a holiday. But I've got no issue with like the concept of Black Friday, but when we've pre- been presented with, at least in my opinion, a better alternative, I mean, I, I, I ask you, James, have they have they um, have they adopted Cyber Monday in the UK? I mean, I, I, would, I mean, if you're going to adopt Black Friday, but it only, I guess, it only makes sense. I don't know. But yeah, thank you. Know, I, I've always thought about that. We, Thanksgiving, a little bit of a little bit of presidential history. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was the first one to make uh, Thanksgiving a holiday, first president to make it a holiday. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he was also the first president to pardon the turkey, which has been continued by every president since then. But yeah, yeah, a little little Thanksgiving history. But 
listen, we're going to have a packed show for you guys on Friday. Going to react to all the, the games on Thanksgiving. Let's see. James says, Cyber Monday has become more of a thing the last couple of years. Yeah. And listen, it should be. It, it's, it's more efficient. You don't have to drive. You don't have to travel. I mean, heck, you don't even have to get ready. You don't have to leave your bed in order to take care of a lot of, uh, of Christmas shopping. That, that's the beauty of it. I don't know. I'm all about efficiency and, and working smart, not hard. I don't know. I've always, I've always been wired that way. But with all my rambling aside about Cyber Monday and Black Friday, it is Thanksgiving tomorrow. And so to everybody watching, to everybody listening, very happy Thanksgiving to you. Please enjoy it with your loved ones, your family, your friends, uh, and, and just enjoy the holiday. Enjoy your family. Enjoy, obviously, the amazing food that we all look forward to eating. And, of course, enjoy the football. Because I know if you watch the show, you likely watch football on Thanksgiving Day. So catch us on Friday, on Black Friday, by the way, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitter. And also be sure to like, share, comment, and hit that big red subscribe button. Takes you two seconds to do. Subscribe to the Carving It Up podcast on YouTube. Also be sure to subscribe to the Grid podcast network. That is the Grid, G-R-Y-D, the Grid network on YouTube. Like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Grid, the network that I am a part of. Again, we you know, put this hat on. Sorry, Dak, I'll put you aside here. Put my grid hat on. Again, I'm a part of this network with uh, with Barry Grant Jr., Mike Guido, Patrick Brown. Uh, who, who else is on it? Ryan Flowers, the CanFan guys, Alfred Parsar Jr. Okay, amazing creators, amazing uh, guys. So check out their shows on, on the grid network. Chaotic Sports Podcast, Clutch Sports Talk, All Even Podcast, Cowboys Can Fan, Rocket Field Jets Podcast, and of course, Carving It Up. So check out all of our shows on the grid network. And, and be, again, be sure to catch the show tomorrow and listen to Carving It Up on the Grid Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. That's where you can find my show after, uh, after it's over. So have a great week, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Please stay safe out there. God bless you all. He's out. Gobble, gobble. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.